when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friend. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Hey everybody, it's C.J. Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, Part 6, that's right. I want to send a shout out to everybody here at Crazy Train Radio. to get into the shit. Had some personal stuff going on this morning, but it's all good. CJ Graham, how are you doing, sir? Hey, what's going out out there? I really appreciate uh, the Crazy Train Radio opportunity to talk to you and some of the fans. Absolutely. 
while you were saying prior to us uh, hitting record uh, of getting ready to look at my, going up to Montana for uh, are you purchasing property? What's the scoop with that? If we can address that. Well, a lot of people know that about three and a half years ago I retired from running casino resorts and it gave me a much more flexible schedule so I could do some conventions. I've done a couple uh, films uh, Vengeance, playing Jason's father, and then I came back and just did 13 Fanboy this year with D. Wallace, Corey Feldman, Deborah Voorhees, Kane Hodder. Um, and, you know, I have a ranch with horses here in Arizona, and we've just decided, hey, let's go to Montana, get a little more of a green spread, maybe a little bit of snow, maybe see if we can get a creek, maybe some areas to go fishing, and, you know, just kind of kick back and still do the convention, see the fans, and uh, just do some enjoyment time. Well, that's always a good thing, but uh, what did you do with uh, the casino business there? I was, for the last 20, 25 years, I, the last job I was chief operating officer, general manager over two casinos in Coachella Valley, one in Rancho Mirage and one in Palm Springs. So I had about 2,500 employees, uh, give or take $100 million payroll. And uh, prior to that, I was general manager of Thunder Valley up in Northern California, Uh same type of responsibilities. And then prior to that, I was in Vegas for almost maybe 18 years. I worked at the Palms as a senior executive. Uh, I worked for Steve Wynn uh, as an executive at uh, Wynn. And, of course, I was over at Caesars in the Flamingo. Sounds like a – it's funny you say it because I was just watching over the weekend, and I'm not saying it's this environment now, but the movie Casino with uh, Robert De Niro and all. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting that that happened to come up here uh, or this morning for you, lunchtime, whatever we want to call it. Well, it's kind of a crossover, but the only thing is we don't have cornfields in uh, Las Vegas, but there's a lot of desert. Yeah, that's for sure. We we won't say no more on that uh, subject, but obviously most people are familiar with you from Friday the 13th and stunt work and all that kind of thing. Uh, what error I should ask, and I'm sure you've been asked a hundred times, but how did you get involved with the franchise? Was it because you were in the club scene at the time? You know, I was really fortunate. Um, I, I really believe sometimes people are very qualified for a job, but sometimes luck uh, can intervene. In my case, I wasn't in the industry whatsoever. I was running a 15,000-square-foot nightclub in uh, L.A., and uh, I just happened to have a show on Thursday night with a hypnotist. And that hypnotist decided to bring in a production company to shoot his show because he wanted to start some videotapes to see if he could get into possibly, again, Las Vegas strip shows, et cetera. It just happened that the company that came in was called Real Effects, R-E-E-L, Real Effects. It just happens Real Effects did all the special effects on Friday the 13th Part 4 for Ted White. So they, ha- they had an idea about putting Jason on uh, screen and coming through the screen to the subjects which were on stage, Jason. And they said, well, we've got the wardrobe, and look at CJ. His big ass pretty much will fit right in it. And <laughs> honestly, when I say the rest is history, uh, that's a true statement. Now, obviously, there, the character was established beforehand, and you're not the first, and you weren't the last to play that. But uh, how quickly did you have to get a true grasp of learning it? The present and understanding the presentation of Jason, 
Now, obviously, it's not like you were learning Shakespeare or famous Robert De Niro lines and such, but you still got to have an understanding of the character, right? You know, I, I no exaggeration, pretty much had a, a straight-up 24-hour window. Um, when they said, I looked great in the costume, wardrobe, and they said, hey, we're going to cast you, I looked at them and said, yeah, whatever. Three months later, they called me to come meet Frank Mancuso, Jr., and, uh, of course, Tommy McLaughlin, the writer-director, and Michael Nomad, the stunt coordinator. Um, not being a stuntman, not having that background whatsoever, however, having all the physical qualifications, um, they decided to migrate towards the stunt guy. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, the stunt guy, on his first daily that came back with Jason in it, um, the satisfaction wasn't there with the character's presence. So on a Friday, I get a phone call to come back down to Paramount Studios, as I did, and Monday morning, they had me on a plane going to Covington, Georgia, shoot the movie. So a lot of people don't understand that, yes, I did all my own stunts, every single one, um, but I've never been to stunt school or even experienced a stunt. Each one of those was my first time. Well, that's interesting because uh, no matter what uh, the size of the project is, most of the time I know insurance companies in terms of the whether it be with Paramount or whoever, don't like the people who are starring in the projects to do their own stunts. Why were you able to get away with that? Well, I think it's more importantly because the character isn't a wasn't technically what one would consider a principal in the movie. I think part six is where Jason truly became a principal, meaning a, a main character. Up to that point, Jason was just a figure. And you would see different actors and actors be the principals, the boys and the girls in the movie, and here's a hockey mask killer, which physically just had to be of the same characteristics that was a stunt guy doing everything. So I think I fell under the umbrella 100% of being a stunt man, and people didn't notice. Because if I got hurt at the end of the day, if you could find a very similar 6364 physical structure, um, you could continue. Um, it's not like it was Tom Cruise and you're in trouble because now you've got a, a completely different looking person. So I think I think that's why it, but it's like part six, I think, is where Jason actually became a principal, meaning that all of a sudden everybody was watching Friday the 13th to see what Jason was going to do. Up to that point, it always been, well, Jason's the cool part, but he's kind of like in the corner and then he jumps out. If you take a look at part six, Jason really becomes a principal throughout the movie. Interesting take on that, for sure. Uh, now, I know with your picture, at least, there was a unique character from work or whatever you want to say, rock music in Alice Cooper. What involved with the soundtrack and what? Did you have any interactions with that, Alice? Yeah, as, yes, you know, we did the video afterwards, and uh, even today I see Alice Cooper once or twice a year on the convention network, and uh, what I'll do is I'll put full wardrobe on, and our fans will come up and take a picture with Jason and Alice Cooper. So it's kind of a nice, exciting thing for the fans, but it's also very cool. After all these years, uh, I just saw Alice six months ago, and we still have that working relationship. I think the interesting thing about Part 6, um, which sets it aside from the entire series all the way through, is that it just happens to be 
you know, the opening, you've got the James Bond opening. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a, a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer doing the music. Um, you come back to life like Frankenstein, Universal's uh, tour-type studios in the old days. And uh, I think I'm the only Jason with a Batman utility belt. <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that put that way before. Uh, you mentioned about doing the convention circuit uh, on here a couple times. Strangest thing you ever been approached with to sign? Oh, the strangest. Well, I don't know if it was strange, but I have signed somebody's leg. I mean, their metal leg they took off. Their okay partial legs that I have it signed. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yes, I, uh, they were very big horror fans, and they had had it custom painted at the top where it went on above the knee with a Jason hockey mask. And they wanted it autographed. So, uh, as I did, I believe a good friend of mine, Kane Harder, signed it at the same convention. Yeah, now, because I've seen people do, do that, like on long arms, legs, and whatnot, real legs and limbs, uh, and had it tattooed. Have you had anything like that done? Oh, yeah. That, that's pretty norm. You know, the odd was when they pulled the leg off. But, yeah, I've had a few people, quite a few people actually, where they, in fact, I give them advice. Don't use a Sharpie because it makes the tattoo too fat. Let's get a ballpoint pen and sign it because the artist can make it look so realistic like a signature. Um, so I actually give advice when they come up with a Sharpie saying, I'll sign it with a Sharpie, but I guarantee you that the tattoo will be that fat. But if you give me a ballpoint pen, it'll look really nice. And, and they do look very clear, just like if you were signing a check. You know, a, a Sharpie is pretty thick. But if you use a ballpoint, yeah. it looks pretty tight. Yeah, I'm guessing you had a couple experiences till you till you figured out that little trick there, as far as uh, hey, let's take it this direction instead of uh, the sharpie. Yeah, I had them when they came back, and I was like, yeah, it looks good. However, I think when you have a very nice tattoo, usually it's a hockey mask, and it's very well defined and lined and shadowed. Um, it's nice to have the, the actual autograph follow that same uh, symmetrical background so it doesn't look kind of odd. Definitely makes sense. You mentioned Kane there, and obviously he was one of the uh, guys who did, was probably the only guy to do it multiple occasions, that character. But what is the uh, relationship with you and the other Jasons who are still around, like Kane and whatnot. Now, I know you and Kane from stories I've heard like to screw around with each other. Is that true? Well, I mess with Kane. Kane has a different personality than me. He's a little more straightforward and I'm more like, Papa. you know, after running casinos all my life and wearing a suit, uh, for me to go out and bust chops, I have more fun at it. Uh, Kane is much more staring, staying with the character reference of Jason, but, you know, he tries to get back, but you know what? I get Kane at a, at a convention you know, I'm going to do something. It, you know, Kane is always a little late to the opening each day. It may be 20, 30 minutes, an hour. And I'll run over and tell his people in line that are waiting that he's constipated. He's got to stay in the room a little bit. He'll be down shortly. And I always grab my brother just as much as I can. Occasionally, I'll run over there and I'll take some of my photographs, autograph them, and slide them into his stacks. So somewhere through the weekend, he gets down to a picture, and there's my picture autographed for a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And Kane is pretty blunt, and 
not afraid to tell you know, across the room probably and tell me what he thinks, that even though you've probably done that multiple occasions, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I've done it all to him. He can, he, sometimes he just age, you know. Uh, but he gets back and he, he'll yell across, hey, DJ, is this you or me? You know, in a photograph and, you know, being sarcastic. And, I mean, I've had times where he was next to me at a table and he'll go, hey, Siege, we take a photo of me with this guy? And so I'll, I just give him the benefit of the doubt. I jump up from my line, give me one second. I jump up, I take a picture, and he's looking at me like, you really going to do it? I go, yeah, it's for you, bro. And he just looks at me like, well, that didn't turn out like I thought it would, you know. So him and I get along great. I get along with all everybody. I mean, everybody from Richard to Steve Dash to Ari. Uh, you know, when I see Ted White, you know, I mean, Mr. White is just an honorable man, you know, going back, you know, five, six decades doing films and stunts with everybody from John Wayne all the way back to Clark Gable. Um, and then going forward with Ken, uh, and then right up to the last, Derek Mears. You know, um, I see Derek at shows. I check on him and his, his wife, how they're doing through the virus times. And it's pretty much a very tight-knit family all the way through. Well, that's always good to hear, because you don't always get that with any film franchises or any any walk of life or a family type of atmosphere. Benji, yeah, you I mentioned it a few. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, for me, it's really been because again, um, you know, I left in '92 and went back into the casino industry and been running casino resorts for so long that I would spot check, do a convention here and there. Um, for me to come back, you know, when I retired and start doing them, I see everybody and, uh, you know, everybody, everybody still to this day calls each other. Uh, even uh, Tommy Matthews, you know, uh, he'll call and say, hey, I'm going to do a convention in wherever, and they want to know if you want to come. you want to go together and we'll do a photo op together? Me as Tommy Jarvis and, you know, U.S. Jason and Wardrobe. So I think everybody looks out for each other. Uh, last year, Kane and I both were in England together uh, having a good time. Um, so I really think that I do run into them at different conventions, and at the same time, it's a pleasure. Now, you mentioned it earlier about Vengeance that you uh, had done last year, and you played Elias Voorhees. Uh, what can you say about that project that we don't want to do spoilers because we want people to see the project, obviously, but what can you tell us about and intrigue people to see Vengeance? Well, I think the thing is Tom uh, McLaughlin had always written the script, and there was engagement, even in the comics, going back to Jason with Elias, because nobody's ever seen Elias. So for me to step into it playing Elias, growing a beard for four months, five months, and then, then putting a real long stringy wig on me so I looked very oaky um, was kind of intriguing because two things. Number one, the gentleman Jason Brooks that played the Jason character was physically the same size as me, so you kind of think of that father-son and at the same time, it was just a fun project for me. Myself, Steve Dash was in it, and we didn't take any pay. We just told them to donate the pay to uh, the children's fund they were working on, Shriners. And so we we did it more out of respect just for the opportunity that it was a, a funded film done by fans, and they wanted to see something because it had been 10 years now, since 09 at least, uh, since the Friday the 13th had come out of the uh, major productions. Well, I don't want to hold you on the line forever because I know you're getting ready to travel again, but social media-wise, where can people find you? 
I'm real easy on Facebook, obviously. It's Jason Voice, but I also have a website. Uh, you can just pull up jason6.com or hellcop.com, um, jasonvoreystore.com. It really goes right to a central magnet where people can order different things online because right now there's not a lot of traveling. Um, so if anybody wants to go to that, and if you go to my website, there's contact information for me, email address, all that kind of stuff. So I try to be real connective and easily accessible. And, you know, when someone calls and says they want to do a cast or Crazy Train Radio says, hey, let's do it. I try to make sure because truly without the fans, who are we? And the appreciation for the fans goes beyond just saying thank you because 35 years later roughly, here we are talking about a movie, um, an iconic movie as it has become, and it just continues to find fans, seven years old, 10 years old, 70 years old. Um, I did a cameo. Uh, maybe um, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and it was for a nine-year-old. His mom had sent me and said, I want to do a cameo for my son. It's his birthday. So I'm sitting at my desk doing a cameo for a nine-year-old. Um, it just continues to go forward, and I really, I mean this sincerely, I'm very appreciative for the fans because they're the ones that keep it going forward. Well, you know, I, I want to end with this now that I uh, thought of it and you brought it up there. What is it about not only your movie but the franchise in general that really keeps the fans engaged for so long? I think the engagement is a result of, you know, there's some great films out there today. We have green screen. We have all this technology with computers and stuff, and they do some amazing, amazing things. However, I think people like sitting there with that kind of VHS movie old school, and the special effects are not crazy. I mean, you're not doing a flip off a car to another flip off a car to another flip off a car and then landing on your feet and throwing a punch. That's great if that's what you're anticipating. However, a Jason is a character. A Michael Myers is a character. A Leatherface is a character that truly could be living next door to you down the street or outside your window tonight when you turn the light off. And I think that's that majestic, like, scary reality rather than, you know, I love Superman, I love the DC comics and all the excitement that they bring, but a lot of that is, you know, there's, there's some computer in there, there's some, but it's nice to dream, but I think Jason, I think, is something you could actually be terrified of. Well, on that note, safe trip to Montana. Thank you so much for the time, CJ. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. 
Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, wrinkled ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while Sincere Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Amanda Wist, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.